Well, good morning, Avenue Church. How you doing? Good morning, Avenue Church. How y'all doing? Come on now. It's going to be a great day. Well, listen, I'm not Pastor Dave. My name is Brandon Harvey, and my wife, Lori, and I, we actually have the privilege of serving as uh, part of the pastoral team here, and I got to tell you, I'm really excited to be here this morning. We had a, a great first service, or at least I'm biased, right? I thought we did, so if no one else did, I had a great first service. So uh, it was a great, a great time to be together, and can I tell you what? What a great moment in the presence of God there with our worship team. Can you just tell our worship team how much you appreciate them? They do such a great job. And under, under Pastor Jessica's leadership, they do so, so, so well. I, I'm not going to lie. So uh, I, I play drums some. I get the honor of playing drums, and I love doing it. And it is so refreshing to work with a team that is so humble and so talented. And so I just want to honor Pastor Jessica. They do such a great team, uh, do such a good job, and the team is so awesome. And listen, if you like the fact that lyrics were up there, if you like the fact that the lights look cool, that it sounded good, can I tell you there's people back there behind you that you don't know that they exist. They're invisible. They're not really there, but they do that stuff. It doesn't magically happen. Somebody's back there doing that stuff, and I just want to honor them this morning. So listen, I, before we get kind of into uh, week four of this One Small Step series, got a lot of things happening. Uh, will you throw the announcement slide on there, Ricky? So next Sunday is our six-year anniversary. Come on now, church. Six years. It's going to be a great day. We've got some cool stuff happening there. Grow Track next Sunday night. Then the uh, revival service is going to be on February, February 5th. So, but before we get there, small groups are kicking off February 1. Let's go, church. February 1st. Come on now. In fact, I've heard from a little birdie that the uh, Ladies Freedom Group is starting tomorrow night. So, I'm just going to just, just pitch it out to you. If, you aren't in, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. It's going to be good for you. So, Winter Revival on the 5th, um, 14 days. How many of you guys are done, ready to be done with fasting? How many of you guys actually enjoyed fasting? Anybody? Raise your hand. Oh, somebody, all right, okay, okay, okay. I, I have mixed emotions. I like eating, uh, so there's that. So I like eating, but I, I felt like this was really productive. And there were some things that I saw God do in my, my own life as a result of this. So it's good to remind your, your body that you're not in charge. The Spirit of God inside of me is running things. So uh, revival service on the 5th, marriage conference at Harvest Church in Jasper, February 9th and 10th. Uh, we'd be glad to get you more information about that. And then our very first Avenue Youth One Night service, it's going to be great. We want all of our students, 6th grade through 12th grade, to attend. It's going to be such a cool thing. Cool stuff has been planned for it. And I just want to brag on Albert and Brittany Wagner. They are doing such a great job with our students. We love them so much. And Albert and Brittany, uh, I didn't see Brittany this morning. I know Albert's with Pastor Dave. Uh, but that kind of leads me into Pastor Dave's actually um, speaking this morning at Declaration Church at our sister church just right up the road. And so we honor you, Pastor Dave, Pastor Tara. We love you guys so much. You lead uh, with such transparency, and it's so easy to follow the vision that God has given you. But as we get rolling this morning, I just want to brag on Pastor Dave last week and throughout this series. He has really been doing something that I think that's probably really understated um, in the church's perception. He is giving us, in a sense, the how to do the what, okay? So uh, how many of you, anybody know the church's vision offhand? Can anybody go for it? Just if you know it, shout it out. Come on now. Come on now. We exist to do what? To move people where they are to where God wants them to be, right? 
So, hey, all right, so here we go. Let's go. So let's do it again. All right, so we exist to move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's why we exist. So if there's ever any, any lack of clarity about why we're doing what we're doing, it's because of this. So Pastor Dave has been doing, a, I think, an, an outstanding job of really laying out the how we do the what. In other words, giving us the building blocks. So week number one, he talked about knowing God in order to, to fulfill this vision, right, of moving people to, from where they are to where God wants them to be. First of all, they got to know God. Then second of all, they got to they got to find freedom. In other words, they've got to, once they know God, they've got to find a group of people around them because God never called anybody to do life alone. God always called people to do life in community, life as groups with someone. And then last week, he talked about discovering our purpose. And I thought he did such a great job of really being able to, uh, to demystify it, to take out the confusion about it and just bring it back to where it really is. Because your purpose in life is associated with who you should be, not what you do. What you do for a living or what you do to make money is not necessarily associated with who you are. I work for the school district in, uh, in New Caney. I work in technology, but who I am is not associated with that. That's what I do for a living. That's my job. My job can change, and my identity would never be affected. And that's why it's so important to understand that... Who we are is God's will, and it's God's purpose in our life. And what we do then just comes out of that. Because we're God's person, whatever he wants us to do, that's what we'll do. In other words, we live with a yes. So the Avenue Church vision, it's not to move people from what they shouldn't be doing to what they should be doing. Because that's what the, that's what the world thinks, right? Is that we're going to modify your behavior. The church wants you to modify your behavior. Here's the deal. I don't need you to modify anything. You can do whatever you want. You're a free person. What I want you to do is I want you to get everything that God has for you. And because of that, I just want you to live with a yes. So if God's asking you to do something, then it's God asking you to do something. And that's a conversation that can happen in the context of relationship with God. In other words, God's never going to ask you to do something outside of relationship with him. Everything he ever wants you to do in life, he wants you to do with him. Acts 17, 28, as we get rolling this morning, for in him we live and move and have our being. We have our being. We exist. So today I want to explore what purpose looks like when it comes full circle in my life, having a relationship with God, establishing healthy community, and walking out my purpose. Today I want to talk to you about step number four, making a difference. This title is called, this message of this title, the title of this message is called Do Something. There we go. Try number three. Let's pray this morning. Father, so grateful for the opportunity to be able to share with your people. God, I pray that the things that you have placed on my heart to be able to say this morning, God, that you would let me say clearly. And God, I pray that everything that you have for your people today, God, that they would receive and they would say yes to. God, I thank you for what you're doing here at the Avenue. God, how cool is it to be a part of it? God, I'm so grateful that you've planted me and my family here. God, what a privilege it is to know you and serve you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So uh, I was, I don't know, somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. My dad comes into my room. It's a Saturday, and he says, uh, hey, come to the garage. We're going to change the brakes on the Suburban. And uh, 
So the thing about me, you need to know, I didn't know how to change brakes on the Suburban, right? I mean, just, you know, as a normal kid. I mean, maybe you were the weird kid at like eight, you knew how to do brakes, but I didn't. So I was a middle schooler and, and I didn't know anything about it, but I just know that dad said, come to the garage. And so I came to the garage. And so here we go. He's like, we're going to change the brakes on the Suburban. And I'm like, oh, like, like us or like you or like me, like me, do you may hold your tools or what do you, what do you need me to do in this process? And he's like, no, you're going to change, you're going to change the brakes and I'm going to walk you through it. I'm like, Okay, I guess. And so here we, here we go. So we, we go through the process, right? I mean, if you've ever changed brakes on the car, you go out, you get the jack, you jack the car up, then you take the wheels off, then you take the calipers off, then once you get the calipers off, then you take the brake pads out of the calipers. If you've got tiny weak hands like I did at 12 to 14, you can't take the brake pads out of the calipers, so you ask your dad to do it for you, and he does it, and then he lets you do the next thing, and then before you know it, you're trying to take the rotors off, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you are... You are pig pen uh, from peanuts, right? I mean, you literally, you are a dust cloud. And so you're dirty there, and you don't really know what's happened except for you made a mess, okay? You made a mess, and the brakes aren't done yet, and your dad's there trying to walk you through it. That's where we're at. And so in this process, we finally get through it, right? We get, new, get the new brake pads in there. We put the calipers uh, after we, I think we actually got the, rot um, the rotors turned. I think that was the, the correct terminology. We, we went down to the auto parts store, got the rotors turned, went back, got them, put the rotors on there, put the calipers with the new brake pads in. Then, we, uh, then we, we get that all done. Then we put the wheel back on. We lower the car. Then we go get in the, in the Suburban, and then we, we, um, we bleed the brakes, right? And so we get in there, and we basically pressurize everything, make sure it's good. And then we do what every good brake job person does, you don't wash your hands, you just get in the car, and you drive around the block. That's what you do, because you need somebody to know besides yourself that I changed the brakes on there. And so how you tell everybody is you leave a big old dirty mark in your seat and on your steering wheel. That's how you tell everybody we did the brakes. So we do that, and uh, we get around the block, and I'm not driving at this point. So my dad, we drive around, and he's like, I, I think we're good to go. And he said, we did it. And... And I was kind of thinking about it. I remember it being a confusing statement because I was like, well, like, I didn't really do it. I just did what you told me to do. And so, like, I still don't really know what we did. I know we did some stuff, but, like, what the end goal was was to make the break. I get that, right? We're, we're doing the breaks. But all the details, all that stuff, I didn't fully know. I still, don't, I still don't fully understand it. So some of you technical people, don't you judge me. I see you judge me with your judgy eyes. Don't you judge me on my, my, uh, my car building skills. But, um... So we get back, and we're done, and we did the brakes. And can I tell you, church, that day, the Suburban changed from being my parents' car to being our car. It was our car. It was our Suburban. Why? Because we did a brake job on our car. And can I tell you, in life and in church specifically, Things look different when you have ownership versus just sitting on the sidelines. When you have ownership, everything, everything changes. So when it became my vehicle, I cared about it. I even, after that, I even helped my dad wash the Suburban sometimes, and I'd wash the wheels. I love wheels. I'm a wheel guy. Any wheel guys in here? I know you're in here. You like wheels. You think it's cool. I think they're cool too. And so I'd go there, and I'd wash the wheels, and I'd make sure they look really, really, really good. And then my dad introduced me to a thing called Armorall, and Armorall is awesome. 
And so it's amazing, and it makes wheels and tires look incredible. And so we put some armor on there, and the car was all clean. And all of a sudden, I moved from not even caring about cars to caring about cars and having possession of a vehicle and even caring what it looked like. In other words, I moved from having no care at all to caring deeply. And I'm convinced in life, and specifically in church, if we will begin to, number one, know God, and pursue freedom, finding freedom, get in a small group, and discover our purpose, what we'll find is this, is we will want to make a difference because we'll care about what God has called us into. And when that happens, you, no one will have to convince you and no one will have to make you do something. Because here's the thing, church. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. My dad didn't need me to help him do a brake job. My dad needed me to learn how to work on a vehicle. He needed me to do that for me. At 13 years old, I'm convinced I was not super helpful in the brake job. I'm convinced I turned a 45-minute job into about a two-and-a-half to three-hour job. But the value was not on doing it fast. The value was making sure that we included someone else. And I'm convinced everything that God wants to do in your life, he could do without you. And yet, God gives us the ability to be involved in it. Why? Because he does it for our benefit. Crazy thought. Someone showed up this morning at six o'clock to put up pipe and drape and to put out chairs, not because someone made them, not because anything else, but because they wanted to do it. Why? Because God has brought them into doing that. He has put it in their hearts to do it, and they're walking it out because they understand that something comes alive in them when they do that. So this morning, as we kind of dive in to how to make a difference, there's three important steps. Three important steps. I want to make a difference. Do something that makes a difference and do it with people who want to make a difference. Amen? So point number one is this. I want to make a difference. Church, I got to tell you, we can help you make a difference. We just can't help you want to. We can help you. We can give you every tool that you need, every resource that you need, but we cannot help you want to. That is something that you have to settle between you and God. And because everything that God does, he does out of relationship with you. If you don't want to do it, then that's a conversation not between me and you. That's a conversation between you and God. And there's so many times we want to ask people in our lives what they think when we should be ignoring them and just ask God what he says. And when that happens, he'll settle it. God is always speaking. We just have to always be listening. Church, if you know God, then you know there's something inside of you that wants to make a difference. If there isn't, there's a good chance that you have been hurt or burned by the church. And I got to tell you, I'm sorry. Speaking for them, I'm really sorry because they stole something from you that they didn't realize how important it was. They made it about do something because we have a need. That's not how the avenue works. We don't want you to do something because we have a need. We want you to do something because God put it inside of you to do it. And because something inside of you comes alive when you do it. And because the body of Christ is better because you do it. Because when you walk by that standard, you're accountable to God. You're not accountable to me. You're accountable to God because God's the one who asked you to do it. Life changes when we understand that he has something for us, not something from us. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.9, he says this. He says, God first saved us 
and then called us to this holy work. We had absolutely nothing to do with it. I want you to understand, God saves you and he brings you into a work that is specific for you. In other words, it's not cookie cutter. It's something specific that God has for you. God knows you by name. He knows your purpose specifically. And he knows that it's for you. So let's kind of develop this a little bit. First thing I want to ask is, what is the work? So if, in, if Paul is telling us that God has saved us and then called us to this holy work, what is the work? And we see it in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The scripture is called the Great Commission. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Giving, I want you to hear this. Giving them the what so that everything that they have learned from him now has context. In other words, he spent three years of his life shaping them into who they should be so that after those three years, they would be ready to do what he asked them to do. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? He's always asking us to be who we should be before he's ever asking us to do anything that we should do. The what to do can never come before the who to be. And in church, we have messed this up so bad. We have messed this up so bad because everything that God wants to do inside of you, he wants to do it, and there is something inside of you that wants to do it. And when we settle that, when we settle that, we can walk away from things like manipulation. How many of you have grown up in church and they needed kids workers? You know. You know. I had this in my notes and I took it out. I'm going to give it to you guys. This is extra. I didn't say it in this first service. Do we want you to work with our kids? Number one, if you can pass a background check. And uh, number two, if, uh, if, if you actually are gifted to work with kids, right? If we're being real transparent here, we're not just sending anybody back there. We love our kids. So, sorry about that. I'm sorry. I apologize. Do we want you, do we want you to be on the worship team? Maybe. Can you sing? <laughs> can you? I don't know. I don't know. If you can't sing, I, maybe not. Can you play an instrument? Right? It, do we want you working in production area? I don't know. Are you semi-technical? No. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we'll steer you away from that. Right? Listen, it's not that the church doesn't have needs. Because here, let me, let me put on Pastor Dave hat for a minute. We have needs. Okay? We have needs. But our needs never override our ability to recognize that we want people to walk in their purpose. So the job of the church is to develop people so that they can walk out their purpose. That is their job, to get the people ready to do the work of ministry. This is not the work of the ministry. This is the work of the ministry. That is the work of the ministry. It is utilizing the body of Christ to reach the world. That's what it is. Are there special and unique Giftings and callings, absolutely. Absolutely, but one is not more important than the other. I grew up in a church, and I loved my church. I need you to understand, I loved my church, and I loved my pastor. 
And he was a great, great pastor. Mentored me, shaped me, showed me so many things. But there were so many things that I misunderstood because of how we did things that as an adult, I struggled with identity. I struggled with my identity. And I believed ultimately this lie, that if you were going to be the best Christian you would be, then ultimately you would be a pastor. So in other words, to be the person that God wants me to be, I've got to be a pastor. And can I tell you this? God doesn't care what your title is. He doesn't care what your work is. He cares about you being the person that he wants you to be. That is what he is about. What is the business of the kingdom? Building people into who they should be so they can walk out the purpose of reaching the earth. That is the purpose. That is the gospel. Jesus came. He died. He was resurrected. And he sent them to change the world. And he's still changing it. Church, God's always concerned about the person over the task. So that when there is a task and the Great Commission is a gigantic task, we have to get the relationship side settled first. God never wants you to do a task apart from him. Never. Everything that God wants you to do in your life, it always starts with being God's person. Always. It always starts there. But if you don't believe that God wants something for you, and you're convinced that he is only out to get something from you, your ability to walk out your purpose is significantly impacted. This is why the Freedom Small Group has been so helpful for so many people. Because it takes what filter people have lived life through, or have seen life or experienced life through, and it sets it to the side, and it just challenges for a moment, because of the Holy Spirit's work in people, to consider that what if God really does mean what he says? What if, what if what you learned, what if what your mom and daddy told you, what if what your pastor told you, what if what a TV show told you, or what if, what, if cult, what culture said to you was something other than the truth, and what if what God is saying is actually something true and beneficial for you, and in that moment, people are experiencing freedom because what they're, we're beginning to see is that God really is who he says he is. And God only wants good things for me. And he loves me just the way I am. And he has a purpose and a future for me. He has that for us. We just have to give God a moment to be able to see it. For us to be able to see it clearly. Brings us to point number two. Number one, you got to want to make a difference. Number two, you got to do something that makes a difference. Do something that makes a difference. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 through 15, it says this, but if people build on that foundation using gold, silver, jewels, wood, grass, and straw, their work will be clearly seen because the day of judgment will make it visible. That day will appear with fire and the fire will test everyone's work to show what sort of work it was. If the building that has been put on the foundation still stands, the builder will get a reward. But if the building is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but it will be as one who has escaped from a fire. The question I have for you today is, does it have eternal value? Is what you're doing, does it have eternal value? Will it make a difference in the long run? Does it have eternal value? 
when you stand before God, will he value what you have done with your life? Let me let you peek behind the curtain a little bit about the avenue. We try really hard not to ask people to do anything ourselves, uh, do anything that we as a staff are not willing to do ourselves. Also, we try not to ask people to do things that are, that are not in their spiritual gifting, compatible with their personality type, or a good fit for their skill sets. A lot of churches do, that, and a lot, do this, and a lot of people have been hurt because of it. Church, we're not trying to tell you what you should do. We just want to help you discover your purpose and then give you space to see God use you to do it. I'm not trying to tell you what you should do. I'm just trying to tell you when you pursue God and he talks to you about it, we are here to help you operationalize it. We are here to give you a space to see God use you to do it. Because this, because God calls you to do it and you want to do it. You want to. We believe that the Avenue Church is a great place for this to happen. And I'm biased. I know it. I know I'm biased. But in my most unbiased way that I could possibly tell you, it's a great place for you to walk out your purpose. Because we care about you more than what you do. 100%. Let me put on my role as care pastor here for a minute. We care about you more than anything that you do in this church. You matter before any of it. It's not about what role you have, how much you give, what your position is, what your title is, who likes you or who doesn't like you, what you do or what you don't do. You matter first. And the reason why we can unapologetically ask you the things that we ask you is because we walk this out. We love you first. And we want something for you in your life. So if you're trying to figure out, what should I do, Brandon? What should I do if I'm going to do something that makes a difference? And here's some questions that might help. I think we've got them up there. How have you been impacted? What things impacted you? For me, a friend in high school that I grew up with in church, Terry Brown, found me every week in high school when I was not living for God. And in the, in the, like the worst friend type way, he would say to me, he would say, um, hey, why weren't you at church? Not like in a loving, caring way, but like in a condescending way. You know what I mean? Like, hey, why weren't you at church? And, uh, and I would lie to him, you know, like every good uh, Christian, Christian person would. And so, you know, I lied to him and said, ah, I was doing this or that. And so that happened like four to six weeks in a row. And finally, he realized that I was lying to him and I wasn't going to come to church next Sunday. And, he, and I said, I'll see you next Sunday. And he said, no, you won't. And, um, and it made me mad. If I'm honest, it made me mad. And so I didn't like the fact that he called, called me out when I was lying. And so I said, fine, I'll be there next Sunday. And so I did. Stayed up all night. I had a long weekend. You can fill in the uh, gaps there. And um, drove into church late. Got there late. I sat in the top, uh, top row of the balcony. And I saw him up on the stage playing the, playing the trumpet because we were in the symphony. We didn't have cool worship bands like we do now. We had, we had praise bands or, or uh, symphonies. So Terry was part of the symphony, right? And when we did that, uh, I get there, and I'm trying to be obvious, like, hey, I'm here. I, did, I didn't lie to you. And the whole thing, and, and long story really short, he didn't see me, and I left before I could remember what the, 
what the pastor said because who remembers what the pastor says? Come on now, let's be honest here. I didn't know. I couldn't remember it. And so anyway, I see him at school the next day, and he says, uh, he says uh, you lied to me again. And I'm like, Terry, I did not. I was there. He's like, no, you didn't. And he said, what did the pastor preach about? And I'm like, that's not a fair question. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that answer. It was, it was something about the Bible and life, and you should do something better, right? And he's like, that wasn't it at all. I'm like, well, I don't remember. And so, and I, so he was like, well, you weren't there. You lied to me again. I'm like, fine. I will be there next Sunday. And this time, I didn't how you're supposed to do it. I showed up early. I did all the, hey, how you doing, Brandon Harvey? Glad to be back at church. I hadn't been here in a while. And uh, went and saw him. And that, all that to say this. My youth pastor at the time, he saw me, and, and uh, he said, hey, Brandon, would you, uh, would you come and help me with an illustrated sermon tonight? I was like, bro, I just got here. <laughs> like, you're asking me to do stuff? Like, I don't even know if I'm coming back, right? I'm just here to fulfill an obligation. And uh, so that happened. And so all afternoon I wrestled with, do I stand up to the pastor? Because here's the thing. I was good at lying. I could lie to anybody, but I felt bad about lying to the pastor. You guys ever been there? I mean, I felt bad about lying to the pastor. Like, that was a bad sin. And so, anyway, all afternoon I wrestled with it. And finally, I'm like, I can't stand up the pastor. So I went there, and I ran the spotlight for him for his illustrated sermon. How many of you old church people know what I'm talking about? Running the spotlight. Got him. And so he asked me, I need you to run the spotlight for me. And I did. And can I tell you that God changed my life that night? I was 18 years old. I have never been the same. Never been the same. Because one person who I would say was not even great at loving me or caring about me was willing to show enough care and concern about me to give me an opportunity to get my life right with God and God would change my life and change my future because of it. So what I'm telling you, church, is this, is God doesn't need you to be perfect. He just needs you to be willing to do something. So how have you been impacted what do you care about? What do you notice? What do you like? What are you good at? All these things. God will use your skill set, your personality type, your spiritual giftings. Some of you are like, I don't have spiritual gifts. Yes, you do. You just didn't know what they were. Some of you walk into a room and you have the ability to see a person that feels disconnected and you are drawn to them. It is like a magnet. You go to them and you make them feel cared for. Some of you understand hospitality like I never could in my life. You walk into a space and you're like, this is cold and warm. And by the time I walk in there, it feels like a hotel lobby. And you're like, what did you do? And you're like, ah, nothing. But that's what God put in you. There's some of you that are craftsmen. You understand that God put you on this earth to build stuff and to do stuff with your hands. Some of you are introverts. You don't want to talk to anybody. You're like, just let me do something and make the people go away. For you, there is nothing more stressful than the lobby out there. You're like, is, like, is there a second way out? Is there like, can I go through another door? Because people are going to want to shake my hand and talk to me and know me and all that stuff. And you're like, I just want to go eat. <laughs> I just want to eat. Does no one else want to eat? I mean, that's how you feel, right? And so, and for me, I'm like, I will stay here until 2 o'clock talking to people. I may be hungry. I may be hungry, but hunger can wait. Let's go talk to some people, right? <laughs> I just want to talk to people. 
what are you good at? What do you notice? What do you like? I don't want you to raise your hand, but there's somebody in here, I guarantee you, when you walked in this morning, you saw that there were chairs that were not in a straight line, and you could not look past it. So I guarantee you, you tried to do it in the most subtle way you could, but you walked by, and you just gave it a subtle push, right? A little push just to straighten it up just a little bit. Not for anybody else's benefit, for your own. For your own, because you see it, you notice it. You're like, man, that chair's not straight. Somebody's got to do something about that. And you're willing. God put these things inside of you. Does serving coffee make a difference? I can tell you this. If you like coffee, it does. If you like coffee, it sure does. You ask my wife if coffee makes a difference. She'll tell you yes. Why, why is it that big of a deal? Because there are friends, neighbors, coworkers, people that don't know anybody that have heard about our church online. They did a Google search and they, found, they said, well, I guess let's try this one. Let's risk it, right? And they're coming here and they're going to get coffee because it makes them feel comfortable. And they're going to then come in here and they're going to sit here with their coffee and they're going to engage in worship and they're going to receive everything that God has for them. Why? Because they got some coffee. So their ability to hear from God, their ability to experience everything that God has, their ability to not reject it and to make excuses and dismiss it is directly tied with that cup of coffee. And while it may seem insignificant to the person experiencing it, to the person whose life will be changed because they could not make an excuse about not having coffee is associated with a person who put out the coffee. So can I tell you, having coffee makes a difference. It makes a difference. See, Jesus thought that a cup of cold water was a pretty big deal. Mark 9, 41. I tell you the truth. Whoever gives you a cup of water because you belong to Christ will truly get his reward. The goal is to win people, church. People are the goal and people are the strategy. And God is inviting us into something that we were created for. We were created to make a difference. God puts spiritual gifts in you, not to puff you up, but to build up the body of Christ. Not so that you would think better about yourself, but so that the body would be better as a result of what he put in you. Ephesians 4.11 says this, So Christ gave, gave himself the apostles, gave, he himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every, every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I want you to understand you are part of the body and what you do makes a difference. The body needs every part of the body. There is no lesser part if you're missing a finger, you know that you're missing a finger, right? 
When your back hurts and you can't do everything you want to, you realize how necessary your back is. When your eye is bothered and it's, it's hurt and it's infected, your ability to see is impacted. Your ability to function feels impacted. Every part is necessary. There's no lesser part. So play your part, and if it changes that part, it's okay. Change it as needed. Lori and I used to kind of manage the, the worship and the production side of things here at the Avenue, and it was a privilege. We, we learned as we went. Um, I don't know that we would say we did it great. I think we would both agree that we, we did the best we could. And, um, and Pastor Dave asked me to do some of that stuff, and some of it I didn't know what to do. Some of it I had some idea. But we learned as we went. And imperfectly, we did it. But I loved it. But because I'm a people person, and you can ask Mike Jones is back there, and Ricky as well, there's a real challenge with being a people person and being in production world, right? In being back there running lyrics or running sound or running lighting because you need to hit your cues. You need to hit your buttons. You need to be watching. You need to pay attention. You don't need to be talking. Challenge presented, right? So I would see my buddy Kevin. So Kevin and Melissa Fry, they serve here at the Avenue and great friends. I would see Kevin every week and I would want to go leave from behind the desk and go back there and hug Kevin and talk to him and tell him, hey, it's good to see you. How have you been? But I couldn't because you had to hit your cues, right? You had to hit your timelines and all those things. So what I would do is I would give him one of these things as he walked by. He would walk by and he would he'd wave at me. I'd be, hey, and then I'd go back to touching buttons. But a little part of me died because I just wanted to go talk to Kevin. Just wanted to go talk to Kevin. But it was a task that God had put on our plate. So I was willing to do that. Then Mike and Jessica Jones started attending the Avenue Church. And Mike will tell you this is true. The first day I found out that Mike played, uh, that Mike actually programmed lights, he saw me get giddy because I know nothing about lights. And I had to resist every urge in my body to say right there, will you do lights right now? I resisted my urge, but he could see it in my eyes that I wanted to ask, right? But I resisted. I think I waited like till the next week. Like, so I gave him one week. <laughs> gave him one week, right? But Mike and Jessica, uh, Pastor Jessica, have taken on worship and production, and they have done spectacular our worship and production have so improved and so grown as a result of their leadership. And I could have taken the position of, well, that's my job. That's my job. That's my job. And wanted to be in competition with them. But if we'll understand our identity is not associated with what you do, but with who you are, then you can lay down titles and you can change roles and still be the same person. Because who God had called me to be was no different. It's just the task that he put me, put me in front of. So now, I love speaking when I get the chance. But can I tell you, I would trade this any day to go stand out in the lobby and talk with people. Any day. Seven days out of seven. Let me go talk with people in the lobby. I love people. Let's go hang out. Let me get to know you. How can I help you? How can I serve you? I love this. I want this. I'm so grateful to speak this morning. We just got to change as we need. 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul said this, to those who are weak, I became weak so that I could win the weak. I become all things to all people so I could save 
some of them in any way possible. Today, we are going to unapologetically ask you to join the dream team. See this card next to you or in your seat? Do you know why we can unapologetically do it? Because we're not asking something from you. We're trying to get something for you. And the dynamic changes because the body is benefited. I'm not benefited. The body is benefited. The church as a whole gets us closer to walking out what God has called us to do. Church, we were not meant to do life alone, even walking it out, our purpose. Point number three, this is going to be a quick one, with people who want to make a difference. So how do you make a difference? Number one, you got to want to make a difference. Number two, you got to do something that makes a difference. And number three, you got to do it with people who want to make a difference. We are better together. Ecclesiastes 4. falls because no one is there to help. You are not meant to do life alone. I could try and sell you on this, but instead I just want you to watch this video. Hey Kevin, thanks for joining me. Tell me a little bit about Freedom Group. What was the most impactful thing First thing that comes to mind, honestly, is just building that relationship with God. I've never had that, to be perfectly honest. I, I thought maybe I did. You know, I've, I've always prayed. You know, I've always been in and out of church, but I've never had that one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him, just like you would. Like being in Freedom Group, having the brotherhood that I had in Freedom Group, they showed me how to build that relationship. How to build that foundation in a new well-built house is built on a foundation. That's right. You know, they showed me all the steps how to get there. That's that's probably the number one thing that, that I've that I've been able to develop. I know that you had told me you felt like it was almost like there was a lot of removal and then <laughs> building back up. I guess it's kind of the same thing that led me to the avenue in the first place was I felt like something was missing. Um, yeah, I couldn't never pinpoint it. Wasn't dealing with any serious major issues, and you know, as a father, we have so much pressure on us. Yeah. Lead the family. I, I just felt like I needed something. Something was missing. When I joined the Avenue, I felt like I filled the void. Mm. Uh, once we got into Freedom Group, it just—it was a 12-week process of just carving out all that junk out of my life, getting it out. Freedom Group was able to basically fill all that void with the Holy Spirit. Never experienced anything like this in my entire life. So good. I think we're two weeks out from Freedom Conference, and I'm still on a spiritual high. Come on, I'm just not coming down. Yeah, I'm not coming down. Just constantly chasing all I want is more, and I just want to keep filling and filling and filling. Yeah. If anything gets out, I want to refill it. it That's this. That's it. It's hard to control right now. It's it's hard to put into words. Freedom has completely changed my life. So, in what ways? Did freedom benefit you? What did you learn from Freedom Group? The number one thing that comes to mind to me is it's really just opened my eyes on, on how to live through God's will, God's yeah. way. I've, I've never lived through anybody's will but my own. Wow. That's honestly has gotten me nowhere, I feel like. Yeah. That's led to this, that emptiness that I was feeling, I feel 
Kevin, I love your story. I love your heart to share it and to be able to sit here and meet somebody and just encourage them to be a part of freedom the next opportunity they get. Thank you for doing this. It's going to tra transform somebody else just the way God has done for you and for me and for so many others. Appreciate it. So this is why we do it. It's why we do it. To see lives changed. Kevin and Casey didn't necessarily know what, what they were missing. They just knew they were missing something. And God is now using them to make a difference in other people's lives. There's a short road to walking out what God has for you. Everybody thinks it's, it's years and years and years. Well, when I get this done, or when I get this done, or when I get this done, if you say yes to God, God sets the timeline. God dictates the path. God does it. God does it. And church, all we're telling you this morning is this, is that once you know God, you can discover freedom as a result of finding community. And you can discover your purpose. And once you discover your purpose, you can make it happen. And we're just championing you. We're your cheerleaders. We're saying, come on, do it. Be used by God. Let God do it in you. Let God make the, imma the imm immaculate and the crazy and the ridiculous happen because you said yes. Not because you're perfect or because you have all your ducks in a row, but because you are leading your life with a yes to God. And when we lead our lives with a yes to God, we impact the lives of those around us. Not just here in this building, not just in this church, but in everywhere we go. Because who we are does not change in the environment. Take me to work, the same stuff's still in there. Put me in the church, same stuff's still in there. Put me on the baseball field, the same stuff's still in there. Why? Because God put it in there and you can't turn that stuff off. We exist to move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Today, some of you have been, as I heard one church say, say it, you've been sitting on the bench and today it's time for you to get off the bench and get in the game. Get off the bench and get in the game time for you to sign up to be a part of the dream team not because we need something from you but because you need this because God put it in you to do how do we do this we know God we find freedom we discover purpose and we make a difference how do we measure success here at the avenue how do we know if we're making a difference this lost people saved it's our weekend services saved people pastored small groups pastored people trained growth track and trained people mobilized dream team if you're asking us brandon what is the avenue church about this it's what we do if i'm the offensive coordinator for our football team i just gave you our playbook i've got no other extra special stuff no other tricks no magic plays we're gonna have weekend services we're gonna have small group we're gonna have growth track and we're gonna put people in dream teams we're going to walk this out. Why? Because we exist to move people from where they are to where God has called them to be. And you get the privilege to be a part of it. I'm not asking you to do anything. 
I'm just simply asking you to say yes to whatever God is asking you to do. Because if you'll do that, you'll find peace. You'll find purpose. You'll walk it out. So the question becomes today, what is your next step? Here it is. Here it is. Here's the playbook. If you don't know God, it starts here. Number one, we got to know God. So if you don't know God in just a minute, we're going to pray with you. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to start a relationship with God. Second, if you, if, you're, if you don't have a community around you, if you don't have the right community and you need a fresh community, if you need a healthy community, if you haven't joined a small group, it starts today. Out of the next steps table in the lobby, join a small group. If you haven't gone through Growth Track, if you don't know why in the world God puts you on this earth, come to Growth Track. We will help you. We will help you. We can't help you want to, but we can help you figure it out. Last thing, if you're not serving, if you're not on a dream team, sign up today. Sign up today because God put it in you to serve. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. We are never close, closer to who Jesus is than when we're serving because we take us out of the equation. And what's magical about this is this, when we take ourselves out of the equation, God always works it back into us somehow. You take you out of it, and God always pours it back on you. Why? Because he understands when we will set it aside, set ourselves aside, he will cause those things to come alive inside of us. Church, we will do anything to make it easier for someone to know God. We will do anything to make it easier for someone to to know God will we stand with me this morning what's your next step if you've been doing life alone get in a small group if you've been wandering around without purpose go through growth track have you been just sitting in here absorbing good teaching and good worship just a sponge and never giving never serving get on a dream team and if you don't know God, today it starts here. We bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you and you need to start a relationship with God today, you know who you are. I don't have to convince you. God is speaking to you right now. And if that's you, I just simply want you to raise your hand so that I can know who I'm praying for. And in just a moment, we're going to pray this prayer out loud together so that you know that there's a community of people around you. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. going to pray this prayer out loud. Church, will you repeat with repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, will you come into my heart, change my life, make me new. I say yes to you. Everything that you have for me, I want it. Make me into the person that you have called me to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We you put your hands together this morning for everything that God's doing here at the Avenue Church.